This is Career Conversations with Kelly, a podcast brought to you by Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business that explores careers and professional development by showcasing successful business leaders in the Philadelphia region. And now, here is your host, Kelly Diley. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Career Conversations with Kelly. I'm your host, Kelly Diley, a career coach with Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business, where I work very closely with our graduate students. I am thrilled to be back to kick off season three. It has been way too long. Last season was cut short due to COVID, and I am just so excited to be with you today. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. As a reminder, you can find the pod on Apple, Google Play, and Spotify. Joining me today via Zoom is Dr. Erica Patterson, Director of Contracts Management and Supplier Diversity at Philadelphia Gasworks. She is also the newly elected president for ISM's Philadelphia chapter, which is the Institute for Supply Management. Erica recently completed her doctorate in management and organizational leadership. During our chat today, Erica and I will discuss the fields of supply chain and procurement, the importance of supplier diversity, and we will also explore Erica's personal story of struggle and triumph. Thank you so much, Erica, for joining me today, and congratulations on completing your doctorate. Thank you very much, Kelly. I'm really excited about this interview. Thank you. My pleasure. And as always, I would like to thank our listeners for their support. Uh, Quick question for you, Erica. Have you been able to celebrate your major accomplishment of (laughs) completing your doctorate degree despite the pandemic? No, not at all. COVID has definitely put a monkey wrench into my plans, but it's okay because I'm blessed and I'm safe and that's all that matters at this moment. So thank you for asking. Oh, of course. Well, hopefully in the upcoming months or maybe even next year, we can finally get together for that drink and that dinner that we've been talking about. I'm going to hold (laughs) it to you. 2021 is definitely a year for everyone to celebrate and rejoice again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get right into today's discussion. Uh, Supplier diversity is a hot topic. And I've been hearing about this topic for quite a while, especially over the last year and a half. And it's also very important that more and more organizations buy into this because everyone benefits. So essentially, I wanted to do a podcast about supplier diversity for some time now. And I've been scoping out possible guests. And I also feel that this episode is very timely considering all that is happening in our country right now. Um, Erica and I first met at a Prospanica event, and then we reconnected at Practice Interview Day, which is an event that my office runs every year for our graduate students at Lebeau. And we got to talking, and Erica very generously agreed to allow me to interview her. So that's the quick background of how I know Erica. And I thought that, you know, the best way to start off, Erica, is if you can just share a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Well, I started out in supply chain or procurement in short um, a couple years ago, Um, not even a couple years ago, maybe about 10 years ago. um, I actually started out in human resources. 
um, I truly thought the trajectory of, you know, my career path would lead me to just be in human resources forever, because I always thought to be, or I am, you know, a people person. And what better way to connect, you know, to people than through hiring, recruiting, and, you know, doing all the normal HR journalist functions. Well, that kind of, you know, died down. That is still piece of me, part of my, you know, passion or my second passion. Um, I wanted to explore a little bit more of the company that I was working with. So at that time, I used to work for Sunoco Incorporated, and I wanted to elevate. So what better way to learn about a refinery than to apply for a position in the refinery? So a procurement opportunity came up, and it allowed me to broaden my horizons and um, learn a little bit more about the company through the different types of goods and services that they purchase. And once I got connected, I fell for it. So that's kind of like the trajectory path that brought me to supply chain. And part of supply chain is, you know, how do we diversify and include suppliers um, in our supply chain practices, hence supplier diversity. And that was good. So that was my trajectory. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that you did not always have an interest in supply chain and procurement. You sort of kind of fell into it as you went along in your career. Yes, that is correct. It was just a position or profession that I fell into. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I think that it's very common, actually. I wanted to share my, my team and I we put together a panel of supply chain and analytics professionals in the winter term. Mm -hmm. And one of the panelists was the chief procurement officer at DuPont. And we're sitting in a room, we're sitting in a classroom full of students. And he asked, how many procurement majors are in the room tonight? And this dead silence fell across the room. Everyone was kind of looking at each other. Nobody raised their hand. And he said, it's okay. This was essentially a loaded question. Um, there really is no major, and people don't typically major in that. Um, quick side note: nowadays people can, you know, that's now an undergraduate degree at Drexel as well as a master's degree. But in speaking with this chief procurement officer and other professionals in this space, I've noticed a trend that most folks who are in supply chain and procurement did not study this or plan out a career in supply chain. They all just sort of fell into it. And it sounds like that's your story too. Yes, that is correct. And it definitely has evolved from the time I was in HR to now, especially with um, academia from that perspective. So yes. Wonderful. Um, moving along here, a huge part of your current role focuses on supplier diversity. And like I said, that's a topic I'd really like to get into. So can you explain what this is to the listeners and why it's so important? Yes, supplier diversity to most corporations is a metric. How can an organization achieve or set KPIs by achieving certain goals for participation in spend, hence the metric? For me, supplier diversity is a little bit more than that. It's more so about the commitment that an organization or a person can give to um, diverse businesses as it relates to giving them a piece of the pie, so to speak. Um, making sure that we utilize diverse suppliers and include them in all procurement opportunities um, within any corporation. And that could be giving opportunities to minority-owned businesses, women, veteran, and disabled-owned businesses as well. So it's more so, yes, it could be considered as a 
um, checkbox for um, participation and spend, but it's more than that. It's building relationships and partnerships with these businesses and giving them the opportunity to actually dive in to what corporations are um, seeking, you know, as it relates to goods and services and giving them an opportunity to participate in contracts. So yes, that's what it means to me. That's amazing. And I, I, I figured that building relationships was part of it, but it sounds like that's probably one of the most important things. And one of the comments you made, Erica, that I hadn't thought of was veterans. I, I hadn't thought of it. In my brain, I'm thinking um, minority-owned businesses, uh, women, people of color, but not vets. So that just goes to show you. And we also can't forget the LBGTQ community as well. Um, they definitely play a huge part in the diversity pool of uh, supplier diversity when it comes to suppliers. Also, Kelly, I think that um, supplier diversity is about capital and giving diverse um, individuals, minority women, an opportunity to either go through apprentice programs or giving them resources to um, have capital in order for them to kind of create their own businesses and grow and expand in that area so that they too can also um, participate in contract opportunities as well with corporations. So it's, you know, again, that kind of goes hand in hand with the partnership. This is wonderful. Wonderful. What are some of the current trends that you're seeing within supply chain and procurement right now? Oh, this is a great question. Um, I'm all about relationship building. And when I embarked on my journey as director of supply chain and supplier diversity um, at my organization, I definitely um, had some handhelding and it was so helpful. Um, I reached out to a lot of my peers who work across the city of Philadelphia to help me find supplier diversity affiliates. These affiliates are um, huge in providing advocacy and being a champion of supplier diversity. So they definitely taught me the meaning of partnerships. They definitely taught me the um, balance between building those partnerships and also helping minority and women, et cetera, own businesses on how to obtain those contracts. How do you become aware of those procurement opportunities with said organizations? So outside of partnerships, I've made um, huge partnerships with different supplier diversity advocacy and champion groups, individuals, individuals or groups. They have really helped me kind of understand the best practices to implement for my organization's supplier diversity program that was very helpful um, to showcase and bring awareness that my organization was committed to supplier diversity and helping local small diverse businesses. This is all fantastic. And I know I'm, I'm repeating myself, but like I said, I'm just very happy to hear that you're a part of this and it's just really exciting work, um, very impressive. And, you know, like I said, just in general, um, when you and I were speaking offline prior to recording the podcast, you and I had a conversation not only about supplier diversity, but about diversity and inclusion in general. Um, and I was hoping that you can comment in general terms how important diversity and inclusion is to you. Well, from a professional standpoint, I definitely would like to say that for me, it goes hand in hand. If I work for an organization that promotes and are exemplary of diversity and inclusion, we also want to add equity. I've you know, been attending a lot of different um, 
webinars on the topic of DEI or diversity and inclusion. And I heard it this way from another fellow doctor where they said it's inclusion, equity, and then diversity. You wanna feel included and then you wanna be equal and then diversity is just basically the whole cover for the inclusion and equity. And I definitely think that diversity and inclusion plays a huge part for me because I wanna work for an organization that's diverse. I wanna work for an organization that definitely understands the importance of having multiple or more um, quote unquote brown people mixed in their organization and also in higher positions with equal pay or um, opportunity to advance to higher pay. Um, working in the gas utility industry, you know, I also think about our customers, my organizations, we serve the city of Philadelphia. How diverse can you get with the city of Philadelphia? <laughs> so we definitely wanted to hone in on, you know, our supplier base being equal to who we look like from a workforce standpoint, but also who we serve, meaning the community. So diversity and inclusion is very important to me in that threefold um, perspective. And I definitely think that now with everything that's going on from a personal standpoint, you know, I worry about my son. He's 11 years old and, you know, he's a black male coming up in these times. And I often question myself, why are we still here? Why are we still at this point in 2020 fighting for justice? Still having issues with racism. How do we overcome this? How do we be aware of our own unconscious bias? So a lot of that um, plays into, you know, how we as myself, you, um, other individuals, how do we come together as a community to change that? You know, there's a lot of things that are happening where everyone is exercising their right. You know, voting, protesting, um, being aware, reading different types of literature to see the evolution of history of how racism came about from slavery till now. This is something that we should not be going through now. And I definitely think that we are all a work in progress. And I definitely think that moving forward, that change is going to come, but we have to be aware of who we are, our own biases in order for that change to change and action to actually come. Well, I have to say I'm, I'm humbled to be speaking with you. And I, I, I truly mean that. I mean, you're obviously very passionate about not only what you do, but about D, E, and I. Um, again, this is why I, I just really felt a connection with you prior, and, and I knew that you would be such a great person to talk to you about this. And honestly, Erica, everything that you said, I, I have not experienced most of this as a white woman. I've experienced, I've experienced things as a woman, right. okay? But my experiences are through the lens of a white woman. And I have just been really trying to educate myself. I've been doing some of the reading. I've been doing some of the action steps. Um, and you know, just I'll wrap up my comment here, but I, I do really wanna say thank you um, for educating myself and the audience. Oh, you are very welcome, very welcome. We're in this together. Yes, ma'am. So we'll get back on the track now from a career and professional development mm -hmm. standpoint. Uh, what do you think contributed the most to your own career growth and professional development? Wow. Um, 
<laughs> How can I unpack this? <laughs> um, I think for me, it's more personal. Um, I grew up, of course, born and raised in the city of Philadelphia. I grew up with a mother who was addicted to drugs for the latter part of my life. I was raised by my two grandparents, my father's mother and my mother's mother. Um, I actually felt the fifth grade because I lived in a crack house with my mother for two years. And it really derailed from having that parental guidance at the young age of, you know, between nine and 11. And I had to kind of say to myself, even at that young age, how do I step up to the plate to ensure my future and that other little girls can actually live through my trials and tribulations and know that they can make it um, no matter what they go through. I always say to my son or even to myself, you may have issues. You may have issues now as an adult or as a child when you grew up, but your issues doesn't, do not have to look like you've been through them. And for me, a lot of my career um, path and uh, professional and educational path came from my upbringing. I wanted to prove to myself that I don't have to continue to live the way that I was brought up. So I threw myself in my books. I love education and anything that evolves around education. You know, my career path came with the education, so I kind of see them, you know, together. Um, I definitely wanted to focus on developing myself and learning a lot about myself through education and the trajectory of my career path. So, you know, to kind of bring this home, you have to really be aware of who you are. And I'm about to cry. That's okay. I can't mess up my makeup now. <laughs> I have definitely had um, a path in life that I, you know, truly wish that my mother was there to teach me and tell me the things that I'm supposed to know today as a woman and as a mother. But that did not happen. So with me meeting people such as yourself, me going through school, me going through the career that I chose because everything you do is a choice has definitely elevated and brought me to the woman I am today. So... <laughs> And it's okay to cry because we having a real conversation right here. Right. It's okay. I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because even though, again, obviously I, I, I've, I've gotten to know you and we've, we've had these chats prior to the formal interview of today. And, you know, it's very emotional. You have demonstrated grit and perseverance. And I think those are two qualities in you that I see that, you know, not a lot of people have, and you were not dealt the best cards in life and you still rose above. And I think anyone listening to this podcast, you know, who has, has ever faced some hardships and struggles are really going to relate to this and appreciate the personal information that you did just share, because that was very personal. So I do appreciate that. And again, just want to thank you. And I think that you are absolutely amazing. You're very welcome. You know, I definitely think that to add one note, this is a huge time or different time that we're in where we have to learn to pivot, but not only pivot, but realign 
what it is that we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, to be agile and resilient. So thank you. Well, and that's actually a great segue to my last question is, you know, do you have any advice for students who are interested in a career in supply chain and or supplier diversity? Yes, that's a great question. I love supply chain because it has so many different avenues that you can actually be part of. You have contracts, you have overall procurement, you have operations, you have warehousing, you have logistics, um, you have supplier relations. So I definitely think that supply chain is a great um, discipline for um, college students to actually look into because it will deliver a lot of different nuances that could lead them down different paths, but you're still with you're still within the supply chain uh, profession. From a supplier diversity standpoint, I wanna you know, recommend that get used to that term. It's gonna stay around. Diversity, of course, is going to stay around. I think it's very important for um, the millennials, um, the Gen Xs and the Ys to actually understand that supplier diversity is not about the spin or participation. Again, it's about those relationships and giving people opportunity that deserves the opportunity in comparison to a majority or a white owned business. So I definitely think that there's room for growth for every discipline and supplier diversity has been around a long time, believe it or not. But when it comes to a profession or a discipline, I definitely think that it is evolving in what we need it to evolve in today. Well, this is wonderful information and um, you know I am I'm actually seeing a lot of what you're saying in my profession because I do work with supply chain students and I've learned so much about the field and you know that there are so many different avenues and honestly before I came into the role I'm in now before I came to Drexel I didn't know much about supply chain and I didn't even know the term supplier diversity so I found this to be very informational, educational, uh, informative conversation. And I just want to thank you again, Erica, for joining me today, for sharing your insights, for sharing your story. And I also want to thank everyone for listening to the pod and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. I'm truly appreciative of this time, Kelly. Um, this meant a lot to me. As Dr. Erica Patterson, thank you for giving me the first time or the first time being on a podcast um, with Drexel. So thank you to everyone, to you, to your staff, to the students. I wish you all the best and be safe. You've been listening to Career Conversations with Kelly, a production of Drexel's LeBeau College of Business. Opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the college or university. We hope that you will join us again for our next episode.